Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Okay, hello. Hello. <laughs> we need we need to like greet each other a different way. It's weird because you and I say hello offline maybe, and then we have to say it online. Right. Well, maybe we can come up with different languages to say it in. Like, good day. <laughs> Konnichiwa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do they say? How do other people on podcasts intro? What do they say? Aloha. Aloha is hello and goodbye. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll you're, say aloha. You're going, yeah, in- you're, you're taking it national. Like, you're... <laughs> Or not national. That is within our own yeah. nationality. What, what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> nationality. <laughs> they're Hawaiian. They're still American. <laughs> uh, well, Konnichiwa. Well, was, that's not. That's, that's not j- Japanese. That's still, that's still not national. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. You know what I mean. Whatever. No, I'm saying I was. All right. Forget it. That, that quickly derailed. <laughs> yep. We loopy. We loopy. All right. So today we're talking about. Well, we're I kind of playing off of a, a conversation that we had with somebody. This whole episode happened because of a conversation that I had with one of our members. We were getting coffee and she is newly transitioning into survivorship. Right. And she asked me how it is that I'm able to work in breast cancer care all the time and not feel like triggered. Mm-hmm. And triggered is a weird word because I feel like it's way overused now. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's triggering. Everything's triggering now. Yeah. But for cancer survivors, it's it's a real thing and it's valid because there's a lot of anxiety that can come from different situations or, you know, revisiting mm-hmm. maybe a soft spot in your history. Yep. And so I was trying to explain why it doesn't bother me to work in breast cancer care. And I really had to I, I was struggling with why it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it doesn't bother me because I've resolved Mm-hmm. All of the emotional baggage that I've had yeah. with the journey. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Well, I think that there's a couple of ways that you can go about, like, I think when you're really new to it, because she's new in survivorship. I think when you're really new to it, you get hit with something and then you realize an emotion bubbles up when that certain situation hits you. Mm-hmm. And you maybe it's very unexpected. Like I was reading a post, one of my cancer survivor friends who's actually a testicular cancer. He said he got hit like with a flood of emotion every time he would go even have his blood drawn or any time that somebody got an alcohol swab out Mm -hmm. because he said it reminded him of Mm -hmm. chemo or, you know, like just getting treatment. And so I think once you have been hit with those, I mean, there are things that come out of left field, I think still that I'm like, oh gosh, that created an emotion inside of me. Mm -hmm. And like, and then, but if you, you can explore it. Or you can just shut it down. Well, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about avoidance versus heading, right. heading so, on. Yeah, so because I, I'm a queen of avoidance. But <laughs> I, what I have found when it comes to this and this work 
you is that head on is straight is yeah. the only way I know how to cope. Yeah. And so for me, it's a little bit of a turnaround from how I experience treatment right. to how I live my survivorship. Right. So we'll get into that. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be triggered after getting a cancer diagnosis. And we're going to give examples of how it can occur and what it feels like. Yeah. And then what you can do, right, if that anxiety rises and, and maybe when you may need to seek some additional help. But before we jump into all that, let's hear from our first sponsor. Thrivin is a proud sponsor of Faith Through Fire. Thrivent believes money is a tool and not a goal. The Gateway Financial Group with Thrivent is local to the St. Louis area and can work with you to create a financial strategy that reflects your priorities and helps you protect the things that matter to you, like family and giving back. Please call 314-783-4214 to schedule a free consultation with one of Thrivent's Gateway Financial Advisors. All right, and we're back. Let's talk about a trigger, right? Mm -hmm. Triggers are something that affects your emotional state, right? You you talked about that. Yep. You know, it, it evokes an emotion. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're noticing an emotion. But it can cause overwhelm or distress, and it affects your ability to remain in the present, and it can change mm-hmm. your behavior. It can change your thought processes. We've yep. all kind of spiraled, right? Yep. yep. I had one of those moments this morning recovering from the surgery. What if? Yeah. What if? What if? What if? And yeah. lots of cancer survivors who are dealing with living with cancer mm-hmm. or have long term side effects, they mm-hmm. can quickly spiral yeah. down to that. What if? Tr- you know, I think a lot of people, when you think about being triggered, you I, I at least for me, I envision like a war veteran. If you hear a loud bang, like mm. it might trigger. Oh, I'm I'm in that, you know, I'm in that present state of, you know, you're not you're no longer in the present at home, but maybe you're you've put yourself mentally back in the war. Or, well, let's talk about that because yeah. there's a difference and this is why triggered's overused today. Yeah. There's a difference between being triggered and then discomfort. Yeah. So what you're talking about is triggered, right? Right. Yeah. Like you've got a life and death situation. These pe- you know, when you're triggered, there's PTSD, there's flashbacks, yep. there's disassociation. Yeah. That's more tied to triggered in yep. my mind. Totally. What I think most survivors experience is a discomfort, an underlying fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. from a certain situation. Yeah. You know, and so there's a difference there. But essentially, you know, it's tied to the trauma that you've endured. It's an emotional wound. Yeah. Right. We all have emotional wounds. Mm -hmm. This isn't just breast cancer. And when something pokes that wound, it evokes that emotion. Mm -hmm. And so we want to basically validate that. Right. That that's a real thing. It happens quite a bit. So I don't know, you know, anxiety or discomfort towards certain situations has always existed, but now there's trigger warnings everywhere. Yeah, in in Facebook posts. I mean, trigger, a- trigger everything, warning. everything. I mean, I was looking up what the trigger warnings are now for things and it's it's excessive. I mean, do you think do you think that's healthy? To put it out there, like, oh, this might be a trigger. Well, no, because I think now we're constantly like, oh, gosh, we have to watch our P's and Q's that we're going to set somebody off on, like on something that they haven't resolved. I think I think it hmm I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it actually. All right, so here, hold on. I want to tell you. Okay, so I looked up what trigger warnings exist in today's world, right? Uh-huh. So, trigger warnings is like basically content dealing with any kind of topic. So, here's a list <laughs> content of content dealing with any topic. Well, that's I, vague. I mean, essentially, huh? That's vague. Well, no. So listen, these are these are things that require oh. that that are getting trigger warnings now. Okay. All right. This list. Okay. Rape or other forms of sexual violence, homophobia yeah. or transphobia, child abuse, violence, incest, animal abuse, racism, self harm, suicide, pregnancy related issues, fat shaming, eating disorders, political viewpoints, insects, 
bodily waste insects insects it says bodily like waste nudity nudity medical issues blood religious topics well i feel like every tv program movie should come with a trigger warning. i mean that's that's the <laughs> society everything. that we live in now yeah. is that there is a trigger warning for everything and i was kind of looking into that and there's some debate as to whether or not that's useful or if mm-hmm. it causes more underlying anxiety mm-hmm. and i think the consensus is is that it tends to evoke more anxiety than it actually prevents. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now there's Mm. a trigger warning for everything. So, you know, in the context, I think we should keep it to cancer because that's what we know. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely are not here to downplay anybody's like rape or you know well, no i mean those are serious those yeah. are serious traumas that could you know that's right. that's why i want people to understand the difference between discomfort mm-hmm. and triggering because mm-hmm. flashbacks disassociation ptsd are real disorders and totally. you know that's different and so for me triggering you know is that mm-hmm. and discomfort is something that is more anxiety yeah and fear provoking not necessarily those symptoms so important to kind of maybe differentiate that in terms of how we look at it but before we kind of go into examples of how it can occur do you want to do boobs in the news yes yes all right boobs in the news is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories boobs in the news boobs in the news boobs in the news okay this comes out of buzzfeed oh this is old these are old I thought this was recent. Do you? Do we care? <laughs> I don't care. Okay. This is funny. Silly people on the news is good, whether it's old or new. <laughs> this is like another level of stupid. These are stories from like people talking about interactions they have. So this first one says, my ex once told me while holding a lemon in his hand that he didn't have any lemon juice in the house. It took him a while <laughs> to figure out where, where his bottled lemon juice comes from. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, Uh, Okay, the person who had some packing tips. Years ago, we were packing for a city trip, and my friend suggested I fold my clothes flat so that they would weigh less. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, But then, then, okay, seeing my confusion, she went on to explain how a flat piece of material would float in water, but a ball or cube would sink. What? I know. Why is it wet? Right. Why why are your travel items wet? Right. In the event of a plane crash, you're going to fold your. Okay. One time my friend looked at me and said, What's the name of that place where they speak French? And I was like, Um, France? (laughs) I once had a customer send a cheeseburger back because they didn't know it came with cheese. Oh, that stinks. Mm -hmm. Hmm. My ex's sister once asked if the moon was in front of or behind the clouds. <laughs> I feel like these are the like I forgot my brain day kind of statements. <laughs> oh goodness. In grade school I was joking with some friends. That's why I call myself Germasian because I'm German and Asian. And my classmate turned to me completely serious and said, You're Asian? I thought you were Chinese. It's been about fifteen years mm. and it's still the dumbest thing I've ever been asked. Wow. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> the student with two different spellings of orange. A girl in my high school English class asked how to spell orange, the color, not the fruit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm. Oh, well, that's a mini boobs. Timeless. Mini, multi boobs. Time, time, timeless boobs. <laughs> There's our education system in the works. Yeah. There are your yeah. boobs. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. And we're back. Let's talk about examples of how it can occur and what it feels like. Tr- being triggered or, yeah, did or you, discomfort? I mean, we're calling it now discomfort, right? We yeah. agree that triggered is like much more serious. Totally. Okay. So what, if anything, 
is discomforting for you, like related to your cancer diagnosis? Do you have one in particular that surfaces for you? I think, hmm, I'm trying to think of like the last one that's really come up. I think anytime I hear stories about somebody who was similarly diagnosed as me, as I was around the same age where it like came back. Yeah. Uh, So fear of recurrence is huge. Yeah. That's, you know, other people's stories. But I I think I've I think I have also confronted it enough where it's just like it now becomes sad and realistic, like that it's real, Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes you look even when you're on the other side of cancer or or not. Cancer's never happened to you. Sometimes cancer seems like unreal, like it won't happen. Like, that's how I felt about it. Oh, cancer is something that happens to other people until I got it. And then I was like, oh, no, that's very, very real. (laughs) I mean, I. It's interesting, too, because like the fear of recurrence is something everybody has. But then you have people who are triggered who are living with cancer Mm -hmm. because people will avoid them Mm -hmm. because they evoke those fears Uh of recurrence or they feel sorry for them, which also makes them feel triggered. Like because now they feel like a victim and they feel like people aren't treating them the same. And so there's like two sides of that coin that always is a little bit tricky to navigate. Yeah. But fear of recurrence and then living with cancer are two, two, one. Something that showed up for me when I first got diagnosed and happens for a lot of people is it literally felt like every time I turned on the television, every plot line had a cancer story. Yeah. And it never went well. No. Every single time I was sitting there going, I know. The guy with cancer, the girl with cancer always dies. (laughs) I I know. But I was like, I don't remember there being all these cancer plot lines Uh before I got diagnosed. And then to your point. Until it's you, mm-hmm. you don't see it. Well, now it just makes me mad. I think the girl most recently on Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. Any any Dead to Me fans out there? Oh uh, yeah, you might want to do uh, um, a watchmaquette oh. alert. Like yeah. When you sp- spoiler. Oh, spoiler alert. Well, no. anyway, there's an ending, and I and the way that the ending happens, I was like, first of all, that's not how it happens, but. <laughs> That's not realistic. That's at not all. realistic. That's movie star stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you said it. Stories from other survivors. So that was another thing that used to trigger me. <sighs> trigger, whatever. Make me just dis- <laughs> make me uncomfortable. It's such yeah. a, a yeah. vernacular that people use. Yeah. I had this woman early. I mean, I just gotten diagnosed. So super traumatized. Wasn't mm-hmm. admitting it, but was. And I was at church and this woman came up and said, Oh, yeah, I had a friend who had the exact same kind of cancer as you and she's dead. <laughs> This is a church. Oh, my gosh. This woman had no self-awareness whatsoever. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's not my story. And I moved on. But, I mean, I was upset the rest of the day. That is really hard. Gosh, that's so hard. It's just people. And so my friend who was kind of walking with me and really praying over me and and pouring into me spiritually, she's like, we call those negative testimonies. Yeah. And their story's not your story. Right. And you just got to you got to let it go. And and so that's what I think of when people say that that happens to them. I'm like, those are negative testimonies. They're not meant to do anything except make you anxious. Yeah. That's not you. Just move on. Yeah. But that happened a lot. Hospital visits. We've talked about it in a previous episode. We had a member at Faith Through Fire who thought she was fine. And then she ended up having a full-blown panic attack when she walked into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Just It was just a routine follow-up visit, which we all have. Mm-hmm. She had done it before. Mm-hmm. What was different about today, she didn't know. But she started to experience panic attack and it took her a minute to realize it was tied to her visiting the hospital. Well, and I think I think that can go along with my friend I shared earlier who was like, every Mm, time I smell alcohol alcohol. wipes Mm -hmm. and it comes out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. like it could be completely innocuous. Somebody just like rubs alcohol wipe on you and you're like, (gasps) and there it is. And now you're like your brain is spinning. But I feel like that is where you dance the edge of actually being triggered. 
That's no longer discomfort because now are you in the present because now you are back in your diagnosis. Well, that, we're going we're gonna to talk about when you need to real like get some help, right? Yeah. Like when it kind of blurs the line between normal discomfort and then like, mm, this is showing up way too much and, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So being in intimate settings after body altering surgery. Mm-hmm. I used to have I dreams. I struggled with that one. <laughs> I, I don't struggle with it in, in real life, but mm-hmm. subconsciously, like I've had dreams where I'm naked in front of people. <laughs> after surgery interesting and it's like i'm working through the emotions of being different than i was before but it's not and it's always just it's very interesting it's almost like i'm watching myself yeah but some people especially if you're single so a lot oh yeah i have i have heard a lot from oh yeah more like i've got to show somebody my body or or i'm thinking this is going to happen and or or just having to work through i have to explain this is different right dating we we have a lot of single members and they said it's hard for them you know compared to like married members yeah i think there's this assumption that there's a level of acceptance and love Mm -hmm. of you unconditionally Mm -hmm. that's not the case for all married people first of all well that is true not everybody has a supportive partner or, yeah. you know, somebody that really understands that. But I get what they're saying, right? Yeah. It's different when you meet a stranger and you're, you know, in a relationship with them and now you have to explain this whole thing. Yeah. You know, I never considered the, like, the part that Eric played and I feel like I'm more confident now. <laughs> well, you are, but a lot of women are. But I didn't, I, I had never put it until you just said that, never put it together that he probably did play a big role in that because there was never any part of it where he was like... Yeah, my husband was not weird about this or, you know, he he was like, I'm confident in you doing whatever. So that is interesting. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think I think having a supportive I mean, that goes back to emotional support and having the right support structure makes all the difference in how you perceive a situation. Yeah. The stories you tell yourself are not what the people that love you see or you know what I mean? It's a totally different narrative. So when you have somebody mirroring back to you positivity. Yeah. It it alters your viewpoint. Yeah. But it can be very disconcerting if you're new. You know, you're meeting somebody new, a new, new, partner. A new yeah. partner, you have no history with them. Yeah. There's nobody there to, yeah. you know, to confirm for you that you're okay. Right. Um, people who tend to, who go flat sometimes will feel triggered by like going to the beach yeah. or, you know, places where they're exposed. Yep. Yep. Seeing children when you can't have kids yourself. Yep. That can be upsetting for a lot of people. Yeah. For those living with cancer, something that's told to me a lot is milestones like birthdays and holidays Mm -hmm. can be upsetting because they're thinking in the back of their head, is this my last last one? one. Mm -hmm. Right. And then being the only survivor in your survivor group, like your friend group that is living with cancer can feel very isolating and can can be uncomfortable if other people are talking about things that are maybe what you deem trivial. Yeah. Right. Or they're <laughs> yes. or they're taking their life for granted, uh-huh. you know, things in their life that they're complaining about. Yep. So these are just kind of how it, it shows up. What do you think it feels like? Because we're talking about discomfort versus like trauma. So what do you think it feels like when you get that sensation? What do you notice? My the noti- my, what I notice about the discomfort. Yeah. OK. Well, I definitely notice the discomfort because I'm pretty even with my emotion. And so when something does come up, I'm like, oh. There's an emotion and something is happening. Like, what is that emotion? Like, so, I mean, I don't walk around typically carrying a lot of emotion. So when one comes up, I'm very aware of it. I have gotten to that point, too. There, I used to be the queen of suppressing Uh my feelings. Uh Like, if something uncomfortable was there, I would either ignore it or I would act out. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Like, I would, and this goes before cancer. Yeah. I just think, you know, your emotional yeah. style is pretty deep rooted, but it was like, 
I would lash out at somebody and yeah. it was never about them. Yeah. It was about what was going on with me that yep. I was ignoring. Yeah. So I realized how unhealthy that was after I got cancer. Yeah. And I realized that the key to freedom is acknowledgement. Yeah. And so it is uncomfortable to say, "Ooh, what is that feeling? Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. It feels uncomfortable. Yeah. But the minute you name it. Totally. It, it loses its power. Yeah. I mean, naming it and then also even like talk. I find talking to... I mean, obviously, Eric is my person, but you can talk to anybody. You can talk to your best friend or whatever. But like, if I can go say, hmm, this happened today and this is how it made me feel, even if there's like, not, I'm not asking for anything back from it, but if I could just articulate the words out of my mouth and I can put the thoughts to it, mm-hmm. because sometimes it's very different trying to explain it than it is to just think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, benefit it of- then it then completely loses its power. Yeah. Or if, you- if it had any power, you know, if I was giving it a power. Right. Well, I mean, that's a benefit. Such as acting I would- it out. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's the benefit of therapy is sometimes when you say the thing out loud, you're like, that doesn't make sense. That's not based in reality. Right. That's not, you know, now that I'm saying this, that's weird. Why do I feel that way? Right. That's not, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I I would say it's like for me, it's like I will identify it typically as underlying anxiety Mm -hmm. or just sadness. Yeah. I I have become very good at saying that makes you sad and that's okay. Yeah. Like I we've talked about that stupid cartoon that you love that movie about all the emotions oh inside out i hated that movie really oh it's so good so it's so boring. good to teach kids about the emotions oh my god so boring but anyway <laughs> I, I bing bong bing bong <laughs> i will say that i got a little lesson from it because it was like i thought sadness was something to be avoided at all costs uh-huh and when I recognize that it's just a normal part of the human experience and that yeah. you are allowed and encouraged to feel how you feel. So sometimes when I'm like, oh, that just makes me sad. It's weird to say that. Yeah. But oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. sadness, sadness is kind you have, of. You have unvilified sadness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it used to manifest and we'll get to this, too, because I feel like there's natural progression. But when I first started feeling discomfort at di- different situations, it was anxiety provoking. Like I would mm-hmm. feel an- anxious. Mm-hmm. Now I think I'm far enough along where I feel a pang of sadness. Yeah. Because you're almost mourning mm-hmm. the person you were before. Yeah. So it's kind of changed for me. And I think when you're rooted in the present and th- that comes like, I feel like that comes a lot with meditation. And when you're, you really think about like what's happening right this moment Instead of trying to think about what either happened in the past or what could or getting fixated on what could happen in the future, which I feel like is being triggered. You're triggered by something that is like scary, something that could get taken away from you Mm -hmm. or something that happened in the past. You you root yourself in the present. And I think when anything comes up, especially around the diagnosis, I was actually just telling the person who motivated this whole episode today that. When I hear about a story, you know, I'd say the same thing that that person said to you at church is like their story is not my story, but like their life is not my life. I'm doing different things in my life than maybe they're doing in their life to keep myself safe or maybe, you know, everybody's life is different, if that makes any sense. So I'm I try to stay 100 percent rooted in the present moment instead Mm -hmm. of being focused on what the past had for me or what the future has for me. Yeah, I mean, that makes any sense. That was super deep. (laughs) And maybe really complicated. Maybe I just needed to set that out of my out of my head. Yeah, I mean, I think being present and focusing on what you can control right now is the key to everything that you just yeah. said. It's, yeah, it's just not living in the past and not living too far in the future because it's not healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's okay if I'm sad 
about something that I've lost. But, you know, as my very wise friend told me is you can't live there. You can acknowledge it. You can sit there and say this was hard for me, but you can't live there. That's not that's not how you live, you know, with a joyful life. And and anyway. Yeah, I digress. So deep. You're not going to have an abundant life if you're constantly paralyzed by fear. Can we agree to that? Yes. Yeah. So what do people do or what do we do when we feel any kind of discomfort or anxiety related to various situations? You kind of said it like, I feel this way because of my history, Mm -hmm. right? Like you tell yourself, I feel this way because of my history, but that has already happened and I'm living in the present. Right. Just kind of bringing yourself back to center. My story is not their story. Yeah. I wrote down this one. I heard this fear, F-E-A-R, face everything and rise. Yeah, I love that. I think facing your fear head on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, do you feel like at the core of all this is a fear of death? Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, it, I feel like... For, isn't that what for everything? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Isn't it... I mean... Even if you look at, like, people who come back from the war, like, they're, they feared death, I'm sure, the entire time they were there. And now they made it back. And now that fear is still hide. It's like hiding inside of them. And that's exactly what a trigger is. It just pops out and it's like, oh, hey, you remember that fear? I'm still in here. Yeah. I, yeah. I think at the at the core of everybody's anxiety with a cancer diagnosis is that fear of, of death. Yeah. I think that's also why I don't have a ton of anxiety anymore is because I have made friends with death. Yeah. Like I am to the point now where I have stared at it face on. Oh, man, we're going to I have we have a good series coming we up. We do. For we're going to do a whole <laughs> series on death. And I think that that's why, because it all is there in the background and none of us are exempt from it. And yet we yeah. we fail to talk about it because it's the scary thing in the room. But it's going to happen to all of us. So I facing it head on has allowed me to just move past it, not focus on it. Yeah. I was saying too, for some that their faith is important. Scripture becomes helpful. It kind of becomes a mantra, Mm -hmm. positive affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. Anything else? Can you think of anything else how to combat it? I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of any kind of meditation or going inward or breath work, like all of that stuff. So you know, and it to speak specifically about breath work, if you look at like what happens when you have an anxiety attack, like what do you typically do? Shallow breathing. Yeah. You're you're, you're like you suck in air. Mm-hmm. And if you do the exact opposite, which is like really focus on a long, slow exhale, it does the exact same opposite, like physiologically right. than your short, shallow inhales, which is slow your heart rate, calm your blood pressure. You know, you calms calm, your mind. Calm that nervous system. And if system. you just practice that all the time, like, I mean, that nervous system is just primed for calmness. So this morning <laughs> I was like, I wasn't feeling anxious, but I, I've been trying to be better about breath work because I do find it very soothing. And so I have it in my head that I'm going to try to do 10 minutes of silence a day. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I made it five minutes and 23 seconds. Great. But. I was saved by the bell. You called my phone. <laughs> and and I was so grateful because I was like, I wasn't going to make it another four minutes. Yeah. And, you know, like I wasn't going to make it. I was just like. I find, though, when you're a novice, like the silence is it's deafening, like because you're just alone with your thoughts. But if you can do some kind of there's some well, meditation I was th- apps. I was trying not to think of anything. I was trying to empty my brain and focus on my breath. But they say optimally if you can give yourself one pointed focus. So your one pointed focus could be like counting your breaths. And maybe that's counting like I'm going to inhale for three and exhale for six or like. See, or, I, find, I find that distracting when they when they try to get me to count my breath or to focus on my breath. That's when I screw up my breathing and I start breathing weird. It's like if I just sit there and just say, try to just 
be. Yeah. Is Then I, I get a natural rhythm going. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting that you can do that and empty your mind because I have a really hard time emptying my mind. No. Emptying. I'm a I'm a champ at emptying my mind. There's really? No, there's, no. Wow. That surprises no, me. No, I can I can sit there and not <laughs> think about anything. It's just it's just sitting still. <laughs> it's just like. We need to put a fidget in your hand like I got here. <laughs> oh, I need some like ADHD <laughs> <Yeah>. coping mechanisms. <laughs> Give her a poppet. <laughs> All right. So we, you know, I mean, essentially it's coping mechanisms, right? But we want to validate that this is normal. So uh, trauma, though, doesn't always result in triggers. Just because you've been traumatized by something doesn't mean that, you know, it evokes these this fear and anxiety for everybody. Right. And like I said, mine were more intense at diagnosis and then over time have kind become. Of, yeah. 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 I still have my moments. I feel like you should notice within yourself if those traumas become louder or if they do die off. Because the ones that become louder, that's when I would would recommend some kind of talk therapy or EMDR or, you know, something because mm -hmm. they're they're not fading into the distance like you no. know, most if it's normal memories. Your are. Life. Yeah. But, you know, if they are fading then you're doing the right stuff. Yeah, I I've, I think the encouragement if you're in treatment now and you're dealing with this and you're seeing cancer patients in every show and your doctor's <laughs> not got the best bedside manner and says stuff that's scary and mm -hmm. this too will pass. Yeah, you know? it's like buying a red car and then all of a sudden you see red cars that's everywhere. Insane. Yeah. It's confirmation bias. <laughs> yeah, I think is what they call it. But yeah, yeah it, it gets better with time. And the best thing to do is to not avoid it. But like Sarah said, to recognize it as an emotion and just name it and then move on from it. For and sure. if you can't move on from it, then go get some help. It's nothing. Right. Nothing to be ashamed of, people. We're right. all about the self-help. Before we give final thoughts, let's hear from our second sponsor. BJC Healthcare is proud to bring you the best medicine close to home. In addition to two full-service hospitals, Barnes Jewish St. Peter's and Progress West, community members in St. Charles County and beyond have access to the Siteman Cancer Center in St. Peter's, two convenient centers in the area, and doctor's offices across St. Charles County. Visit BJCStCharlesCounty.org to learn more. We are back. So what are your... What do, you, what do you feel like is your final thoughts? I feel like we kind of wrapped it up with a bow nicely before we cut to our sponsor. Mm. I mean, it's just, I think for the newly diagnosed or re-diagnosed, newly re-diagnosed, it's just give yourself the space and time to heal. Yeah. It's natural to have emotions crop up from time to time, have situations evoke certain emotions. And, you know, like anything, I think you can be stronger for it, but don't avoid it. That's yeah. my key. Don't yeah. avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Listen to your body. That's right. It's usually telling you what you need to know. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. See ya. Thank you for being a listener of the Besties with Breasties podcast. If this podcast had a positive impact on your journey, leave us a review or consider becoming a supporter. You can donate with the link in the show notes or at faiththroughfire.org. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. Yeah.